The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! Go Cowboys! This is Girls Talk Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw Dating, preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys, and broadcasting live from Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. Christy Scales, Aisha Morris, and Jess Navarre is here with you on this Wednesday afternoon. Ladies, we were back at practice today. Uh, well, we weren't practicing. We were watching the guys practice today. And uh, we got some locker room material. We got to talk to a lot of the guys, getting some good uh, notes and insight there as well. So we'll get into that. Real quick, if you guys have any questions you'd like to send in to us, please tweet us. Uh, we'll get that text line going here in a little bit as well if you want to know anything. We're turning the page, though, as uh, the Dallas Cowboys face the Arizona Cardinals this weekend. So we are officially in Cardinals mode. We are in our Dallas Cowboys uh, face the Arizona Cardinals era here on the Girls Talk Boys Talk podcast. So... With that being said, let's start with our injury report. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys releasing their official injury report earlier, uh, probably like an hour ago at this mm-hmm. point, so pretty recently. Um, the following two guys did not participate in practice. That was guard Zach Martin, safety J-Ron Curse. J-Ron dealing with a bit of an illness, and then Zach dealing with the, that ankle, rolled ankle injury that he sustained during Sunday's game against the Jets. Um, we did know from Mike McCarthy earlier in the day, though, that he wasn't going to practice. He was right. going to be with the rehab group. So there's that. Um, Chuma Idoga, Brandon Cooks, and Tyler Smith were all limited at practice today. Chuma Idoga dealing with that elbow injury he sustained on Sunday. And then uh, Brandon Cooks still coming back from that knee injury. Tyler Smith still dealing with that ham injury, hamstring injury uh, as well. But something to make your ears perk. I saved uh, this one for last. Donovan Wilson, a full participant uh, in practice today. So, ladies, what does that mean for you uh, to see Dono kind of... It, we've seen him been ramping up the past couple of weeks, but to be a full participant in practice, Aisha, we were talking about this right before. What is that telling you about Dono? I mean, if we're paying attention to how Christy operates, I feel like she understands when guys, when guys practice matters. It does. And what days they practice matters. And for him to have... I believe, if I'm not mistaken, his first full practice exactly um, shows that he's trending upward and he's he's on schedule as they planned. And we talked about it. I think that the Cardinals are a good team to kind of insert your your a guy that's been on been injured, you know, back into the fold and and kind of get a feel for them. They don't do a whole bunch of exotic stuff offensively. We'll get there, but I think this is a good time for him to come back in you know, make his impact that he does. Yeah, and then Wednesday, uh, today was in shells. We'll see if tomorrow if they uh, go full pads. Even when you're full pads, you you know, it's not full contact. You're not tackling and things like that. But if he's able to have, if they are full pads and he's able to go full tomorrow, then that bodes really well for Donovan being able to make his season debut in week three at Arizona. And so, you know, you're missing J. Ron in the, in, on the, in the secondary, but Dono's back, so 
uh, and like Jess, what you alluded to, Mike McCarthy told us that Zach wasn't going to practice. And the other thing is, remember that they had um, 83 offensive play or 87 plays. The offensive go. linemen did um, in Sunday's game. Zach didn't because he missed part of the fourth quarter. But that was a lot, a lot, a lot of work lot uh, of for off- yeah, because you normally get about 60 to 65 in an NFL game. So um, so if Zach didn't participate today, then that's okay because, you know, he, he got uh, all of the offensive linemen got a lot of work on Sunday. Absolutely. And something I wanted to make note of was um, Mike McCarthy kind of talked about keeping the longevity of these guys throughout the 17 weeks this season. So something that you're going to see a lot of is, for example, Tony Pollard took a lot of hits during Sunday's game against the Jets, a lot of rushing uh, yards op- yards and opportunities there. So he wasn't going to get as many reps at practice. He was a full participant in practice, but Mike McCarthy made it clear he's not going to get full reps at practice, not because he's injured, but again, you got to rest these yeah. guys' bodies. Yeah, over and you 30 have touches. To just continue to emphasize that. Yeah. yeah, we heard Tony talk about, and you know, in his interview today, just kind of heard him talk about how he's he's even taking an uptick in his aftercare and you know his rehab and stuff after the game and that's something that when I get a chance to talk to the guys I'm always so interested in is what do you do what are the things you're doing to get your body ready for the next game because it is so when we think about what these gentlemen do I think obviously you know it's a part of the game and whatever but just the fact that they play a full game like that they come and it's a week. It's it's not even a full week most of the time. Sometimes for them to prepare for the next week, I think it's important that we understand how they rehab and how they're um, getting their bodies prepared for the next week. So yeah, yeah. I think the most crowded room this week, the training room, it's actually the ice tubs. So Tony mm-hmm. was talking yeah, about he was how talking he spends an extra yes. time in the ice tubs. So mm-hmm. gets down the the soreness and the swelling. Absolutely. Real quick, you can text us your questions now at eight one seven two nine zero three two nine eight. Let us know what questions you have about the matchups that we're going to see uh, and discuss throughout the next couple of days here on the podcast. But another thing I wanted to make mention of was practice today. Um, It was raining when everybody first went out there, and it was raining with the sunlight out. So how that happens, uh, I guess Texas uh, is your answer. But there wasn't a lot that you've seen that was different from them, right? I mean, it was kind of the same practice that we see and, oh, yeah. and that we see. Oh, yeah. We're in the normal routine now. So we're yep, we're, we're getting in that yep. normal routine. But we talk about Donovan Wilson. Good to see him back. But also the fact that Tyler Smith no, that was, was able to get work yeah. today. Uh, that was really good. He's officially listed as limited. But, of course, he's our starting left guard has missed the first two regular season games with that hamstring injury. So the fact that he's also working back in, mm-hmm. uh, that's a real key, especially since, as you say, Chuma Doga, who's been filling in these first two weeks, uh, was limited because of the right elbow injury. Absolutely. And I'm so glad you brought that up, that they're getting in the normal routine of mm-hmm. things. And with that is them finding their stride and their rhythm with things. And so something that we took, uh, I took personally from Mike McCarthy's uh, press conference this morning was he talked about how he's still finding his rhythm uh, with his offensive play calling, that he's not quite there yet and really I don't think anybody is across the NFL right I don't think that's exclusive to just Mike McCarthy uh, calling the plays for the first time uh, since he's been with the Dallas Cowboys but I think it's important to note that what you see from this Cowboys offense is just the starting line it's not necessarily your end all be all and we'll get into some of the locker room conversations there as well but Aisha you pointed that out too this morning when we were talking about it saying that this wasn't something that they were going to figure out overnight. It's not 
you know, anything to be panicked about. And something we haven't even gotten into is why this conversation is being brought up is because people are asking Mike McCarthy, hey, uh, Dak's not throwing interceptions. What's going on? This is the second week. And Dak was tired of that conversation oh, personally. Sure. Yeah, yeah. We're, I think we're all tired <laughs> yeah. of it. Um, but I wanted to get into that because we haven't talked about it yet. And it's done by design that we haven't spoken about it. But I think it's important to kind of go back to why why it's a conversation of the past, how everything has moved on going forward as we get into uh, everything with Arizona. So Aisha mm. talked about the footwork. We talked about everything Dak's been doing. But what has been working well when you hear what Mike McCarthy is saying about Dak Prescott working with him, even just play calling in general, what is he doing well so far for this starting line for this offense well, play just, calling? They just communicate. It's one thing that I, I feel like you can tell um, amongst even Brian Schottenheimer, just the way that he talks about the game in depth. If you don't, if you don't, if you haven't. Go listen to Brian Schottenheimer's um, pressers. They're very informal, and they will let you know kind of what this offense is is doing. And he gives you some insight. But it's it, they just they seem like they're in sync. And with Dak, this isn't a gentleman that he. I think I mentioned before he's a quarterback. But every player that wants to be great wants to be coached. They enjoy being coached. And Mike McCarthy has specialized in QB play. He specialized in, you know, making guys better. And with, with Dak, I just feel like he's taking the coaching. He's comfortable. And I think they've even said that there were some things they, they decided, like, are we keeping this? Are we throwing this out? They'll, the player, it's open. It's a very open form. And um, I think Dak has even used the word inclusive. And I think that's kind of what you see in this play calling and stuff is that they're doing things that are cohesive um, to what Dak enjoys doing as a quarterback and the things he does well, but also, too, Mike McCarthy has done this for a while. Oh, yeah. He's done this for a minute, (laughs) and I think that, you know, people have recent memory of some of the things that happened in Green Bay, and they maybe held on to that. But no, Mike McCarthy was a play caller at a high level for a long time. But I will say he has changed up. He's he's urbanized his his play calling a little bit. He got some razzle dazzle to him. But to answer your question, I think that their communication is great amongst the offensive side of the ball. And you're you're seeing that there's understanding on what the team does well, what the offense does well and they're, they're executing at a high level right now. Yeah, To be plus seven in the turnover ratio through two weeks, seven uh, uh, takeaways and zero giveaways, that's thanks to Tyler Biotish getting on a couple of fumbles. <laughs> but, but, um, but in regards to the um, Dak not throwing interceptions, honestly, they, they've been playing with a lead, and really he hasn't had to force anything either, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these times these interceptions are happening when you're having to make comeback or you're, you're forced to throw, you're being one-dimensional, your run game's not working, and then you're trying to fit the ball into tight windows. And the Cowboys haven't found themselves in that situation through the first two yeah. uh, games. We would like to see if, there, if there's one slight criticism you can have through the first uh, or from last week's game, and we referenced it yesterday. You want to see them, uh, you know, finish out these scoring drives and not have to settle for the um, field goals and do better in the red zone. But, and, you know, there was that one pass, I guess, week one where the corner fell off and, you know, should have had mm. the interception. And then Sauce Gardner had one go through his hands week two. But, um, hey, the other team didn't make the play, so you're still plus seven. If you're perfect in week two, 
you got you got bigger problems to me. I li- listen. I, I I like the idea, and this team sounds like even you know listening to their interviews, they like that they have things to build upon. They like oh, that yeah. they have things to get better on. It, this week too, baby. This season is so long. We're gonna be looking up in December, and being like, you know, it's just, yeah, like, th- this is gonna feel like you know ancient history. Like, yeah. So it's, uh-huh. um, yeah. Week no. week three. Who did we play? Oh, oh yeah, Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's you know having something to build upon to work on, and again, those things can be fixed. That's sure. execution things. Sure. And so I'm um, I'm looking forward to just continue to see this offense grow and. Uh, Mike McCarthy get into his bag. Yeah, and you know what, bag, what, what really <laughs> caught my attention today, and unfortunately for the people who love DallasCowboys.com, watch the press conferences, sometimes the best stuff is during the walk-off. Mm-hmm. So in the hallway after the press conference when the video cameras aren't rolling. But um, it was what you're talking about, Jess, with Mike yeah. McCarthy's play calling when he said, you know, what's your number one thing? And he says it's it's ball distribution, yeah. right? So it's touches for everyone. And it's not, oh, we want 50% run, 50% pass. And when he when he talks about ball distribution, it is again, it's not ratio between pass and run. It's making sure that you get the ball in your playmaker's hands. Okay, I have a question. I wanted to ask you, ladies, um, because we were there for that, um, and Mike McCarthy did mention the ball distribution and mm-hmm. how important it is to you know. Well, Brian Schottenheimer said in his interview, his presser rather that with the system and the way that it works is the first open read gets the ball. And so I'm asking you ladies, like, how does that, how does that coincide with what Mike McCarthy said? How, how does that, yeah. I'm asking. Yeah, it, it's, it's getting rid of the ball quickly. So first read, if he's open, go for it, as opposed to, okay, that's my first read, but I'm going to go further down the field and go for a bigger play. Mm-hmm. Poss- that's just an example. It's not every single time. But that would be an example of maybe instead of doing your first read, if he's if he's open, saying, oh, I'm going to take a shot. I think I got a one-on-one over here. I'm going to you know, give him that extra half a second, see if I can get the ball downfield. But this one, like we've talked about with McCarthy, Schottenheimer saying the same thing, get the ball out quickly, get the ball to uh, your playmakers in space, let them get some yards after the catch. And then the other thing that McCarthy said today in the walk-off, that the number one thing that that this staff's approach and his longtime approach, and he learned this from Schottenheimer, Marty Schottenheimer is, when you're working on the offensive game plan, the number one, yes, of course you want to run the ball because you need to run the ball to help you know set up the pass, right? But the number one thing is pass protection. So you make sure that you've got it right on pass protection and then everything else in the game plan follows that. I was going to say, too, it's also the communication that Dak has with his receivers, with his tight ends, uh, with his backs. It's the playmakers knowing where to be, too. It's them being on the same page and not scrambling to not know where they're supposed to go. It's knowing their routes. It's knowing their job. It's knowing their assignment with every single thing that they're doing. They're playing very intentionally. Everybody Mm -hmm. is across the board. So it's it's a mixture of a lot of little things here, but I also think a big part of it is when you have a guy like CeeDee Lamb that's connecting with Dak on this I don't want to say it's a new level. I don't even think it's a new level. It's a level that we didn't get to see a lot of for a long period of time last season. You got to see little glimpses of it starting last year, and then now what you're seeing is 
right where they left off last year, picking back up and then growing from that point on. Um, so when you have a guy like CD who knows where to go, who knows what he's doing, who has those nonverbal cues that he worked with with Dak Prescott all offseason, that's kind of the product you're seeing with that. And with the ball distribution, it just clicked to me. Like, if I'm offensive, if I'm a OC, ball distribution and the ball going to multiple different people. It allows, similar to the defense, it doesn't allow you to key in on one guy. Absolutely. Yep. It doesn't right. allow you to get a beat on one guy because they're spreading the ball around and there's multiple people involved. Sorry, it just clicked to me like, oh, that makes sense yeah. why. And, yeah, and, and, it, and it keeps everyone engaged. I can, I, I, won't, I won't say it on this show, but I know of players who have, that have played for this team in the past that become disenga- became disengaged when they weren't involved early mm. in the game plan. And so when you when you really feel like even if I know I'm not number one on this play, if I'm not the first read, um, then I'm still doing my thing because I know I could still get the ball. You know, like Randy Moss, a Hall of Fame receiver, loved to watch Randy Moss, was there on the sideline when he toasted the Cowboys in that uh, game. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Averaged over 50 yards catch. But he admitted that there were times where he didn't run out the thing because they knew the ball wasn't coming to him. Now when you're Randy Moss, you can do whatever the heck you want to do. But not in this offense and not if not if you want to get the ball because there's a chance it's going to be coming to you. And if you're loafing on it because you think you're the third or fourth guy on this, hey, be ready because it may ready, come your yeah. way. It's, it's like uh, playing basketball with Luka Doncic or playing with Magic Johnson or Steve Nash. You better be ready. And what's the one thing that uh, Schottenheimer talked about, the analogy that he used in the offseason of the quarterback's role in this offense? It's like being a point guard. Maybe mm-hmm. you're bringing it down and you're making sure you're, you're getting, you know, get fast to the line, get up there and, you know, make – Get the, get the shooter the ball. There you go. Well, shooter, shoot. Uh, we are going to take our first break here. Uh, when we come back, we are answering some of your questions. We're also going to get into some of the key matchups that we've noticed from the Arizona Cardinals, some things to keep in mind, and what we noticed from watching back and studying for you guys. Stay tuned. This is Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys, and we'll be right back. We know that juicy, cheesy, grilled-to-perfection burger sounds amazing, but it does sound like something is missing. Pepsi, baby! The yin to this burger's yang. Burgers and Pepsi go together like, well, like burgers and Pepsi. This perfect blending of flavors makes every bite of lettuce, every sesame seed on the bun, and every sip of that crisp, refreshing, ice-cold cola a journey to Foodopia. Burgers, better with Pepsi. That's what I like. At Jigsaw Dating, we obviously want the Cowboys to bring that sixth ring home. But to be honest, we're more focused on finding the person who will put a ring on your finger. That's why we created a dating app that reveals your face through meaningful conversation. So you can date deeper. Because it's personality that matters the most, not looks. Join Jigsaw Dating today. Dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
to Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. We are getting into all things, all things Dallas Cowboys and Arizona Cardinals. But first, mark your calendars and get your Linderhoisen and your Steins ready. Uh, Frisco Oktoberfest officially returns in their fourth annual celebration on Saturday, October 7th at the start in Frisco, featuring Bavarian-inspired activities, delicious food and drink, and plenty of great live entertainment. Visit the Star District slash events for more information. That sounds fun. Yeah. That sounds You really got Lederhosen fun. ready to go? I, Aisha's I ready don't. to go. I could barely yeah. say it, so well, I definitely <laughs> don't have them ready to go. Yeah, the little shorts outfit with the suspenders, yeah. you know, like Bavarian in Germany. You know, for Oktoberfest, like in uh, Sound of Music, where the little the little <laughs> boys wearing those outfits. Anyway, if you if whatever. you saw it, I think you would know. You nah. would know it if you saw it. I like a good seasonal beer. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, you can you go. go to Oktoberfest. Uh, when is it? October seventh, or you can visit thestardistrict.com slash events for more info uh, mm. if you want that. So keep texting us your questions, 817-290-3298. We'll get to them uh, as they continue to filter in. Ladies, the Arizona Cardinals, the O and 2 Arizona Cardinals, which, you know, this team is it's so it's such an interesting place that they're in right now. The more I was studying and listening to a lot of, you know, the conversation around them, this team is is kind of finding their way right now. They're not they're not set, but that doesn't mean you should count them out either. I, I think a lot of people are going to be quick to count out the Arizona Cardinals in this matchup uh, based on how the Cowboys have been performing and based how on how the Cardinals have been performing. But the thing about the Cardinals that I didn't realize is what a tough schedule they have coming up, too. They play the Cowboys, they play the 49ers, and then I believe they play the Eagles as well uh, here within the next three weeks. So they can't afford to lose and, and go 0 and 5 at that point so they got to kick it up here this week now or never or kick it up against the, <laughs> the, the 49ers and the eagles i mean yeah. you pick win but at that point you can't get too buried in a deficit of losing because then you're in trouble yeah in fact the league put out some uh stats uh since 1991 so just over 30 years now teams that started 0 and 2 only 11.5% have made the playoffs. Now, it did happen last year with the Bengals, and then it happened again in 2018. But, no, they, they cannot get in this hole. But the thing is, this is their third straight game against the NFC East. They lost on the road in week one at Washington, and then they lost that heartbreaker that, boy, did they collapse in the second half. That was about as ugly a fourth quarter as the Cardinals could have. Uh, they were up 20, 20 to nothing at home against the Giants. Giants and then uh, late in the fourth quarter led by 21 points and then still blew it. Mm -hmm. And the disappointing thing was it was them shooting themselves in the foot. I mean, credit to the Giants who looked like a totally different team in the second half than they did yep. in the first half because that was ugly football by the Giants in the first half. But you know, they when they needed when Arizona needed to get down and score and tie it back up and they're committing pre-snap false start penalties oh, and it's we'll like guys it. come on you know yeah that's what that, <laughs> by the way that was the biggest 
blown lead for the Cardinals since 2011, and then that was the Giants' biggest comeback win in over 70 years. Well, just to give you a perspective, like I say, kudos to the Giants, but man, boy, did the did the Cardinals just choke that one away in the in the yep. fourth quarter. But thing is, they've had success against the Cowboys, won six of the last seven against the Cowboys, and they played really, really well in the first half, yeah. particularly offensively. Uh, the Cardinals, and I, I know I yeah. usually you guys have been watching them and. Yeah. Researching them, but but don't look past this team. And don't call it a trap game. I hate that. I hate, hate, hate that phrase. We're not using the phrase trap game ever here on the podcast. Drives me crazy. Real quick, we do have a couple of questions coming in, and we want to get to them as they come in. So let's start with this one from Keith. Uh, Keith wants to know uh, what we think about Michael Gallup, if he will come back to where he was or what he can be. He said he seems to be starting slow this year. Uh, I think that's a great question by Keith, and I think that's a great starting point uh, for us to kind of get into when we're talking matchups and all things like that. Because I know Michael Gallup is is a a conversation right now across uh, Cowboys Nation, Cowboys Twitter. Everyone's talking about Michael Gallup, and that was because for this Jets game, without Brandon Cooks, he was kind of the next guy that was supposed to get the snaps. Mike McCarthy was asked about this. Like, what's going on with MG? Why was he not a little bit more... Uh, involved and he said it's all about ball distribution who gets the balls but we do need to get the ball to Michael yeah Gallimore. yeah he said they're going to make a make a point of it yeah. so um so yeah I I see Dak looking for Mike Michael Gallup earlier and more often this week but yeah. but you know that's something with uh Michael Gallup's career um you know Barring the the injury and coming back, there are too many times where he disappears mm-hmm. during the season. But he can't throw the football to himself. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm glad that uh, Mike McCarthy, you know, it, he didn't grow defensive about the question like, oh, yeah. what's up with Michael Gallup? It's he like, knew. hey, we know we need to make a point of get, getting him the ball. Yeah, I think it also too ties into his skill set and what he does right. and how he plays football. And when you're going up. When you're going up against a team that does, you know, division-type defense, that zone defense where they're looking at the quarterback and stuff, guys being able to to separate and, and things like that, that matters. It matters a sure. lot, you know. So with a guy like Michael Gallup, who isn't super-duper speedy, who is more physical and, you know, um, strong at the point of a, attack with the ball, that type of stuff that plays into also too when you talk about the the ball distribution and stuff like yeah. that. I mean, Dak's throwing to, from my understanding, he's throwing to the first open man he sees, and so sometimes. But also too, in fairness, Sauce Gardner, they were going away from. Um, and, uh, when you go back and look at the game, Michael Gallup, like Sauce Gardner, was on Michael Gallup a lot, like because yeah. that's how they play. They play mm-hmm. certain sides of the field. It's, um, so he had one of the top defenders on him, and Dak even said after the game mm-hmm. to Sauce, I'm not going your way unnecessarily. Yeah. So I think mm-hmm. it also is a matchup thing, too. Yeah, and great point, not going. forcing it. Not yeah, great point, not don't force it. it. Yeah. And he also wasn't, I mean, look, of course the Jets were going to defend Michael Gallup. Of course they were going to go man on him because they knew that was really the automatic next guy that should have gotten more of the ball that during that game yeah, without, without Brandon, Brandon Cooks. Yeah, I mean, it fun. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, keep sending us your questions if you have any. We're going to get to them uh, throughout the show. Something that I noticed, ladies, let's start with this. When you're talking in terms of the Arizona offense mm-hmm. is they're, they're kind of still 
it's intriguing to me. It's intriguing to me to see what they're capable of doing during this game. Um, I, I don't necessarily think that they're losing these games because they are a bad offense. I don't think so. I think they're just finding their footing. And that's why it could create a little bit more of a matchup, especially with the run defense that we're talking about has, you know, been this Cowboys defense kryptonite in the past. Well, this could be a good test for them to see as far as a mobile quarterback yeah. goes. Yeah, and James Conner is a very effective running back. And yeah. this Cardinals offensive line, uh, zero sacks allowed last week and 151 rushing yards. And just to your point, some of that uh, was Joshua Dobbs, who's a, a mobile quarterback. But the first, uh, until like the nine-minute mark of the third quarter, this offense was super effective. In fact, against a Giants defense that we talked about was so good going Going into week one and that that strong front that they have, the Cardinals had 11 first downs in the first quarter mm -hmm. and were just absolutely dominating and controlling um, that football game, um, particularly early. And uh, Josh Dobbs had a 23-yard touchdown run where he just ran over a safety at the one-yard line and barreled into the, the end zone. And we'll talk more about Dobbs because he's such a, a great story. But um, yeah, and they got Hollywood Brown, so they got some speed at, at receiver. But but Connor is has been an effective guy through his entire career. I remember when he came in with Pittsburgh? But um, you know they've done a good job in terms of offensive line, not allowing a lot of sacks and and racking up some yards on the ground. Yeah, they got a couple of guys over there that intrigued me. Uh, Michael Wilson mm -hmm. is a receiver. Uh, he's such a tall receiver, but he runs fantastic routes. I saw him in the draft this past year. He was interesting to me. And then, obviously, Zach Ertz is there. Mm -hmm. He is the security blanket. You'll see that he leads the team in receiving because that's where a young quarterback like a Josh Dobbs is going to go. Big body, very sure, probably runs fantastic routes. Um, and you mentioned James Conner as well. They like to – like, so the thing about Arizona is, like, schematically there it's good it's not like a lot of what they do offensively is in indeed effective but to your point they're still trying to figure things out figure out who's reliable and you know get a good understanding of each other because there's a lot of moving pieces they've lost a lot of guys in the offseason and they've brought in a lot of gentlemen during the offseason you mentioned the offensive yeah. line yeah um I think their offensive line does play pretty well. I will say that their guard, I think their right guard, can be pushed around if you if you decide to. So with the Cowboys, like you mentioned with Josh Dobbs, he's, he's going to escape. If he needs to, he's going to run. So the Cowboys are going to have to be on point with that and, you know, containing him. But other than that, I feel like they should be able to yeah. defend them. Pretty well, you well. talk about them trying to find their way. Dobbs, of course, he's playing because Kyler Murray is on the pup list, mm -hmm. physically unable to perform list because of that knee injury mm -hmm. from last December. But Dobbs has only been there four weeks. Mm -hmm. They traded for him yeah. in late uh, August. So he didn't even go through training camp with his teammates. But uh, we remember Dobbs because he was with the Titans last year when the Cowboys played at Tennessee in December. <sighs> mm -hmm. But before he actually had started um, he the first 11 weeks of last year he was with the Cleveland Browns as a backup and the new offensive coordinator for the Arizona Cardinals was the was with Cleveland last year so and, and he, he's a first time uh, play caller 
Drew Petsing is his name. And so he knew Dobbs from their time in Cleveland together. And so I'm sure that he had great input in facilitating that trade. But uh, yeah, I mean, they're, yeah. they're, they're still learning each other over there. Mm-hmm. Real quick, something I wanted to make mention of was both the Cowboys and the Cardinals have one thing in common this week. And then that's they that is the fact that they both have not had to play from behind yet. So both of these teams are going into this matchup not having not knowing what it's like to not have the lead in the game early on. And so both of these teams are going to be a good feat for each other to see who can get that early lead, get that quick start. And I think that's really going to be the tone setter of who can get started quicker offensively, defensively. We'll get into that in a minute, but specifically I'm talking offensively who could score first, who can capitalize in the red zone. And I think that's why it's going to be a good challenge uh, this week as well. Yeah. And then they only average about, I think 22 points a game. Um, which again, it makes like talking it out. It makes total sense of like why they're still. Yeah, yeah they didn't have an <laughs> offensive touchdown in week one. It was defensive scores that was their loss at Washington. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I, I tell you, um, when we come back from break, I, I'd love to uh, tell the our viewers a little bit more about the Dobbs story because when you uh, he's a guy that I know is the opponent this week and uh, Cowboy fans won't be rooting for him but he's got an excellent backstory because he's the kind of young man that uh, you would root for any other time that he's uh, not playing the Cowboys. <laughs> Real quick, uh, we have one more question going in here, um, and we're going to get to. I see a lot more coming in as well, so we're going to continue to get to them, but. Real quick before we go to break, Jeff wants to know, will Sunday's game in Arizona be a home crowd? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Jeff. are you, uh, Jeff, I hope you're uh, in the Southwest and are planning on being there at State Farm <laughs> Stadium. But I can tell you every time we have gone to Arizona, even when it was Tempe and we were playing outdoors at Sun Devil Stadium, it is going to be a pro-cowboy crowd. And in fact, all the snowbirds from New York and up east that have settled in Phoenix, if if you're just if you were just listening to the Giants um Cardinals game this past Sunday it sounded like a Giants home crowd and then you can even see a lot of Giants blue in the stands if you were uh, were watching tape or watching it on TV but oh yeah but it is going to be what I'm really hoping for Jeff is that um, by the end of the game Cowboys you know defense hopefully playing with a lead but if Arizona is going to have to use a silent count in their own stadium that's what I absolutely love is when the home team has to use a silent count it's happening been before. Why? Look at that. We're, we're going to manifest it. Look, you're going to manifest you go. that. Uh, we're going to take our next break. When we come back, we have a question about Micah Parsons. We're going to talk about what the lion had to say as far as animal names for <laughs> guys on the defense. We'll be right back. This is Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. At Jigsaw Dating, we obviously want the Cowboys to bring that sixth ring home. But to be honest, we're more focused on finding the person who will put a ring on your finger. That's why we created a dating app that reveals your face through meaningful conversation so you can date deeper. Because it's personality that matters the most, not looks. Join Jigsaw Dating today, dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. You know that sound anywhere. It's the crisp crunch of that first nacho chip. With its perfect cheese to sour cream ratio sitting atop a layer of delicious beans, it's a sip away from perfection. 
That's what we're looking for. Add a delicious, refreshing Pepsi, and we've achieved absolute nacho nirvana. Because while you can pile those nachos high with every spicy, cheesy, savory topping, there's no topping a cool Pepsi finish. Nachos, better with Pepsi. That's what I like. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Two Girls Talk Boys Talk presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. We're talking all things Dallas Cowboys defense. But first, join us at the Miller Lighthouse at AT&T Stadium on October 7th and 8th for world-class barbecue from pitmasters across the country while enjoying live entertainment and liberations at Q Barbecue Fest Dallas. This October, the only thing hotter than the Dallas Cowboys will be 30,000 pounds of brisket, chicken, pulled pork, and ribs smoking at the Miller Lighthouse when some of the biggest names in barbecue come together at Q Barbecue Fest. Tickets are on sale now at SeatGeek.com, the official ticketing provider of AT&T Stadium. 30,000 pounds of brisket. Yes. No, no, no. It says 30,000. That's a lot of meat. That's a lot. Well, no, that that's one weekend at uh, training camp in Oxnard for the for the offensive line. That's so yeah, yeah, yeah. That's easy. That's uh, that's like so that right now. It does thirty thousand pounds of it though. How do you feel? Heck about yeah. That? yeah! The only right thing now. better is thirty one thousand pounds. <laughs> oh there you go. Funny. All right, <laughs> guys, y'all kill me. Okay. Um, Keep sending us your questions if you have any. We're going to try to get to all of them in this last block. You can text us at 817-290-3298. One love T on Twitter, ladies, wants to kick this segment off by asking, will Micah Parsons finally be the defensive player of the year this season? Go Cowboys, um, is what he said. Thank you so much for all the Twitter love, by the way. I always see him popping up, giving us all the positive love on Twitter, too. So wanted to shout that out. Micah Parsons, on the track he is at, what is what is the ceiling for Micah Parsons? Is there one? What do we think? Well, I mean, for me, my first thought was just as, as long as his health allows him, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think he could be the MVP. I believe he could be um, the defensive player of the year. Whatever he chooses, uh, I believe that he can do it. And partially is because he believes in himself. He takes care of his body, but he's always – constantly trying to get better he's constantly trying to be a better player so sky's the limit for him man like it's not that often that you come across players that that are are as great as he is but they're just continuing because if he just decided to just you know stay where he is right now and just be like okay I've done enough I'm just going to continue to be like this no but he's taking the extra steps to go out in the offseason train train with Andrew Whitworth and those guys to get better I think he could be um, a, a name in this league for a long time but as far as him being the MVP if his health permits absolutely yeah, well, defensive player of the week, so that's a good start a for good there. Start. But uh, <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that it it goes to the fact that the people who vote for it 
and and you know T.J. White, those guys very deserving as well. But it's it's the effect that they have on the entire defense. So it's not just your personal stats, right? It's making the people around you better and yes. knowing knowing that uh, the offensive coordinator and you know everything is game plan towards you. That's when you're really great. Mm. Is when you are the focus and they're game planning specifically for you, and you're still wrecking and they still the game. Can't stop it. You're still wrecking <laughs> the play. Sounds just and like so, Micah. So the people in the the people in the um, league, they know that they see that. Yeah. So yeah, and if he's it, honestly, it has to do with health, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. So if he stays healthy, then heck yeah. Yep. Good point. Uh, always wanted to uh, start this segment out talking about Micah. We did hear from him today uh, as well in the locker room. And Micah is just such a character. Oh, my goodness. Um, this man, he goes from talking about some schematics to animal names that he's given some of his teammates to his faith all within 15 minutes. I mean, that was the most bouncy, jumpy conversation <laughs> that we're laughing one second and then by the very end, our heartstrings were being pulled when, when he started talking about his faith and his belief. Uh, Micah carries a Bible around with him here, and he was asked about it and if it was something new for him, and his answer was phenomenal if you get the chance uh, to go back and, and listen to what he had to say today. It was it was really sweet. Yeah. It was really nice. Doing Good daily moment. devotionals yep. now and about being the best person you can be and yep. faith and walking the right way. Um, but the, the fun part was uh, the nicknames, and we found out a new nickname for one of the new defensive linemen. Oh, yeah, uh, an orca. Look, and I'm not. I'm not saying they stole the animal names from us here on Girls Talk, Boys Talk. I'm no, not saying that. No. I'm just saying we started the trend here first of giving <clears throat> guys animal names on the podcast. Yeah. If you're Mozzie, what do you think about being an, an, an orca? orca? I, I would love it because they're one of the most intelligent animals. That actually, are thought of to be yeah, they're one of the most intelligent animals in the in the world. But also too. They uh, are sublime hunters. Like right. they're fantastic hunters. They they work together, and then it's orcas are so complex, but their intellect is through the roof. But they're so strong, and yeah, it, I think it's a it's an interesting comparison. But when you start looking at what a, a orca does and how they operate, I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Well, when Micah was talking, this came up because Micah was talking about why a lion, and it started with a lion crawl that he doesn't want to call the lion crawl. He doesn't have a name for it yet, so if anybody has any suggestions, yeah, drop it to us, and we can. Uh, well, he said let he, him know. he said he might He's give you one percent, you know, so he kind of threw that out there at the end right. of the. <laughs> he, so, he better not say that twice. No, <laughs> better not. But we did get to hear kind of where the lion background came from and the instincts of the lion and why he picked a lion specifically. Very interesting stuff from Micah Parsons. But Fowler, drag, Jaguar? I remember that. He, he did. He said Fowler, Fowler was a Jaguar. <laughs> yep. I wish I could well, Fowler was a Jaguar. Whole zoo so. of chaos over there on the <laughs> Cowboys defense. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's get a little bit more into the matchups. We have about five minutes left, give or take. Um, let's talk. Uh, oh my goodness, I almost said Jets. Go to week three. My brain is now in week three. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cardinals defense. Let's talk there. We haven't even gotten to touch base there uh, yet. We'll get more into um, all of this tomorrow as well. But the Cardinals defense. I think this is uh, this is the part of the team that is shooting themselves in their own foot, if you will, with the penalties, 
kind of being a little too anxious to make the big play. Something I gathered was, you know, we've heard this conversation the last couple of weeks of the Cowboys not chasing big plays, and I feel like for the Cardinals' defense, they should take a little bit of note of that because it seems like they're trying so hard to make big plays happen that it's just kind of slipping by them. They're missing tackles, shooting themselves in the foot with penalties. What are some of the things you noticed? Um, their inability to get constant pressure on the quarterback is something that I noticed is like their defensive line is not getting um, a lot in that department and that in turn you know to your point it's a trickle-down effect right because if you're if your defensive line is not getting pressure on the quarterback and not affecting them if the offense can just run their offense freely without any pressure yeah you're gonna see a team like the Giants come back on you and when you because you can't sustain that lead um, I know they brought in Kazir White from mm -hmm. the Eagles um, from last year uh, so their linebacker core is still trying to find its way they got some youngins some rooks, some young guys on the outside at cornerback. So, again, like we talked about, this is a team in a place where I can't say they're rebuilding, but they're trying to figure things out. And when you have that happen, yeah, there's some confusion. There's some guys trying to play what we call hero ball because there's not enough being done in from the front seven, and it's not helping the back end at all. Yeah, so far the guy who's gotten the most pressure is Dennis Gardeck. They play a 3-4, and so this is a guy that who's, who's outside linebacker, mm -hmm. and so uh, pass rushing uh, there off the edge. He, he actually has three sacks, so mm -hmm. tied with Mike Parsons and Osa Odigizua. So we talk about Osa and Mike being off to a great start. Well, Gardeck uh, is that, and, and uh, Arizona has uh, nine sacks, and he's got a third of them. The thing though was on the back end they're missing Buda Baker so yeah. he yes. was placed on IR all pro Buda Baker the really heart of their team and a, mm -hmm. and a great leader and so uh with him uh now going on IR with um a hamstring injury. This means that uh, Andre Sachere, who uh, was back up with the Eagles and came in uh, this offseason, he'll get his second start uh, in a row. So tough for them to miss uh, Buda Baker, but also a couple injuries up front because they were missing Collier. And then Carlos Watkins, the former Dallas Cowboy defensive mm -hmm. lineman, placed on injured reserve today. He hurt his biceps early in that uh, loss to New York on Sunday. And in fact, they only had four defense one once Watkins went out of that game early with the injury, they only had four defensive linemen to get through the rest of that game. So they couldn't really do a true rotation. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, from watching parts of the game, especially the second half of the Giants and Cardinals from week two, um, it was interesting because they kind of look like they deflate into the second half like they go in there it's not great but it just it, it almost made me question their stamina a little bit stamina didn't look great uh, I know some reporters on the Arizona side of things asked is stamina an issue and obviously the answer was no but it just doesn't look like the energy is there and I, I think that goes back to what you said Christy about Buda Baker not being in when you don't have your playmaker, you don't have your locker room leader there to amp you up, and even if it's from the sidelines or not, he's just not there in general. He didn't even travel with the team um, at that point. But it's so interesting to me to see how this team is going to handle not having Buddha. And, you know, if he doesn't come back the four weeks from IR, what happens? Yeah. Who steps up to be the leader for them? Because I think that's what they're missing. They're missing their keystone guy 
to amp them up and and give them the the direction. They're missing their thermostat, if if you will, on yeah. the defensive side. And of the ball. and they have had so much turnover, not just with the coaching staff, but yeah. I mean, fifty seven percent of the entire roster for the Cardinals is new. Yeah. So we talk about them learning each other on offense. They're doing the same on defense. And by the way, their new defensive coordinator, Nick Rollis, thirty years old. <laughs> Never called plays before, just as their offensive coordinator hadn't called plays before. So I want to see if, again, this week uh, Nick is wearing his hoodie with his hood up uh, inside the, um, you know, air-conditioned <laughs> State Farm thing. He's kind of like he's got the he's got the play call sheet and I'm he's st- got the thing and he's got his <laughs> – you're inside in Phoenix <laughs> or Glendale, Arizona, you Maybe know, and he's got the, the, he's got the hood up and the – the sweatshirt maybe on. Maybe do that this week because he maybe has some so. flack for not covering yeah, his mouth. Yeah, he admitted enough. that he admitted that he was out of practice, not covering his mouth with the sheet. But <laughs> you made a really good point uh, point about Gannon, you know, being their their new head coach. What I what I look at in this first couple games is at halftime. I know we talk about halftime adjustments and everything, but there is a game within the game. And I really felt like the Giants saw something going into the half and they they were able to capitalize off of that. And I just thought that maybe because Gannon, I, I believe in his presser this past week, he said, you know, I got to be better. I have to coach better. I have to adjust better. And to me, I think that that is something that plays a role and why they are what are you using, like deflating in the second yeah. half? Because there's some – you figure out things from your opponent as time goes on. And to your to your point, this is a new team. This is a totally flip roster. So teams are kind of learning about these players as they go in-game. And once I think the Giants figured out some things, they were able to capitalize off of it. So that chess match between, you know, DQ and, and, and the young OC and just some of that stuff, I think that's going to matter as well, experience – hopefully prevails there you go well ladies we have a lot of notes still Mm -hmm. that uh, we're gonna have to leak over into tomorrow's episode of girls talk boys talk christy has some good stuff uh i know waiting to talk about aisha i know you have more and then i know uh, we talked to some of the players today as well about some of the red zone production uh for the cowboys how to amp that up so we'll get into that tomorrow and we even have a special guest lined up for you guys you're gonna have to tune in and see who that is until then Go have yourself a great rest of your day. Go be awesome as usual. Um, we'll be back here, same time, same place, DallasCowboys.com, 4 o'clock Central Time tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day. This has been Girls Talk Boys Talk presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. We'll see you tomorrow. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!